Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And we're back. Welcome to this week's episode of The Flow Line. I'm here at the AES Houston office with my lovely co-host, Mr. Matthew Offenbacher. Matt, how are you doing today? Good. I've never felt more lovely, actually. <laughs> you look lovely today. Must be like the Tuesday thing. So I thought today we could talk about drilling fluid density. One of the most important properties in drilling fluids, in my opinion. But before we get going, I want to take a quick minute to ask the listeners for a favor. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe and do us a huge favor to take a few minutes and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Any feedback is welcome and appreciated, good or bad. So let's get going here, Matt. Um, Firstly, what is density? So density, I think for, for the purposes of simplifying our conversation, Density or mud weight um, is is a term we commonly use to basically say how heavy is our fluid? What what pressure is it going to exert on the formation that we're drilling through? Um, and so it's very, very important to us to get the right density too heavy and you will drill slower. You may actually have some issues inducing lost circulation, failing the formation, not heavy enough, and you could have a well control issue, uh, like a blowout, which we obviously don't want, or just a lot of drilling problems where the hole collapses, uh, other kinds of issues. Okay. So how do we sort of identify what density we need in the well bore? I mean, cause I know down hole, obviously you have formation pressures. So tell us a little bit about how we identify what density to use. So there's a few basic things to think about. And the very first one is just think about the earth in a bunch of different layers. And the more earth you have stacked on top of other earth, you have more kind of equivalent pressure weighing down, right? So perhaps higher up, you might not need as much pressure to hold the formation open. But as you go deeper and you have more and more dirt stacked on top of dirt, uh, it may require more pressure to hold the hole open. You may require another mud weight, a higher mud weight. Interesting. So how do we measure fluid density or or mud weight? So most rigs have what we call a mud balance. It's got a fixed unit volume and you put the fluid in, you put the lid on, you clean it off and and it's it's basically a scale that you line up and wherever the bar hits, um kind of like a beam balance. Uh wherever you're balanced out, there's a little level line and and that's where you're at. There's also a, a pressurized version uh, because some of these fluids may get air in them at, on occasions, um, or uh, particularly may have a little bit of compressibility, um, and so you want to measure them at a particular pressure for consistency. Gotcha. I mean, do we is that sort of common out there? Because I know for myself as a mud engineer, we rarely ever even heard of the term pressurized scale. So at what point would you use something pressurized versus not? So for water-based muds, especially polymer water-based muds, um, it can really help, especially when your mud weight is critical, uh, where you have a really narrow gap, uh, where it has to be only so heavy and only so light. Um, a lot of oil-based mud applications, uh, similarly, you would use one. The great resistance to using a pressurized mud scale is 
They're kind of messy if you don't know what you're doing because you basically take a big syringe of mud and pressure it into um, the cup that that's holding the mud. Um, and there's a lot of O-rings and other things that leak and fail all the time. So uh, I don't enjoy using them. Um, <laughs> however, there are certain wells where it's absolutely necessary and there are certain um, oil and gas companies that will say that's that's our standard because we know that we're pushing the air out um, and there we will get consistent values. Now that makes sense. So explain to everybody, why is density so extremely important? I mean, that's something that on a rig, you know, every 10 to 15 minutes, either the Derrick hands or the mud engineers are measuring it. Uh, it it's a property that everyone keys, is, keys in on. Uh, explain what, why that's so important. Well, there's a number of different reasons, but probably the most important one that we talk about is well control. Um, granted, we want to keep the hole open and, and we need, if you think about it, you're drilling through a rock that had all this rock supporting it. We take that rock away and now the formation wants to collapse. Well, the pressure exerted by the heavy fluid keeps it open, but that rock isn't just solid rock. Uh, there's void spaces. Uh, there's um, pore spaces. And sometimes those can have gas or water or other things trapped in them. And so as you drill through that, um, if you don't apply enough pressure, that gas, it could be oil, it could, it could be some other, some other material trapped down hole, could actually start flowing on you. Um, and we call that a well control issue. Um, so this is where you hear about people shutting in the blowout preventers and using special emergency procedures to what we call kill the well. Um, so they, these are very serious safety situations we obviously don't want to encounter. Makes sense. So how does one either increase or, if you're trying to reduce the density, decrease the density? Obviously, there's something that has to be added to the mud. What would be an example of something you would add? And, and if, if there are multiple different chemicals, I mean, how do we go about doing that? So, I mean, there are a number of different options. I'll start with the most common one, and that would be bayrite. Uh, normally, you try and add some sort of inert solid that the drilling fluid can suspend. And by inert, I mean something that's not going to interact with the formation or create some sort of chemical reaction that could, that could cause some problems. Um, and bayrite is by far the most common additive. And it's basically ground up into a fine powder, blended into the fluid, and it, it's, it's ground at a manufacturing facility. So it, it's pneumatically conveyed to the rig or from the rig into the fluid system or added in sacks. Um, but that material uh, is kind of a, a heavy mineral, bayrite or barium sulfate, uh, that works pretty well, doesn't have a lot of contaminants. Um, other people might use something like calcium carbonate. Calcium carbonate's a lot lighter though, so you have to add more solids to your drilling fluid, okay. which can affect fluid properties. And bayrite sort of offers a happy medium. And the other thing I'll say is there are materials like hematite that are that are heavier but they can be very very abrasive mm. uh so they can erode tools and cause other kinds of, of issues and bayrite seems to fit most of that happy medium that makes sense and and for those out in west texas especially you're familiar with using brine uh, as sort of density control in some cases so explain to people uh sort of sort of from a non-super technical level, like why you could use a brine or a salt to actually adjust density? So different salts have a certain affinity for water. Um, they go into solution at an appropriate temperature. And, and so 
for example, sodium chloride is, is pretty cheap and I can actually continue to add sodium chloride till I get to about 10 pounds per gallon, which is fairly heavy. Then you reach what's called saturation and no more salt will go in. It will, you'll see solids and not have this clear liquid and these things don't suspend that solid material very well. Um, in an oil-based mud, for example, or an invert emulsion, you actually do have a brine phase that's calcium chloride. Calcium chloride brine, normally we use about 10.3 pound per gallon in the internal phase. Uh, but if you were using pure calcium chloride, it can go up to about 11.6. There's other really exotic brines for completion applications and that sort of thing, like zinc bromide. You can get that above 19 pounds per gallon. Cesium formate is a really super expensive and exotic uh, brine that they can get up that heavy. Uh, so there's there's a lot of options, but there's trade-offs always, right? Cost, performance, that sort of thing. Of course. And that kind of leads me to think, I mean, one of the episodes we should talk about just brine fluids themselves. So regards to density, I just wanted to briefly mention, we've got uh, here in the US, you'll see pounds per gallon and throughout a lot of other parts of the world. And then in Canada and, and other places that use metric, it's kilograms per cube. And so just the idea there is is they kind of all go back to water uh, in and pounds per gallon, you know, you have 8.3 pounds per gallon. That's as light as you can go with water. And then in, uh, in Canada, it's 1,000 kilograms per cube. So, um, so to so avoid some confusion out there, I know the crossover sometimes can get a little confusing. But Matt, I, I do want to talk to a lot of times with regards to density. We have uh, abbreviations. A lot of times people refer to ECD, EMW, MPD. So ECD being a, um, equivalent circulating density. EMW, equivalent mud weight, and then MPD, which would be managed pressure drilling, uh, which is sort of related to, to density. So would you mind kind of touching on each of those and, and why they're important and what their functions are? Sure. So bear in mind that we pick a mud weight because we're trying to apply a, spe- a specific amount of pressure onto the formation. But one thing that we know is that the fluid itself, its own weight can cause it to contract or shrink a little bit per unit volume and heat can cause it to expand. So there's kind of this offset where what is the equivalent mud weight, um, both from trying to adjust for those changes in shallower wells, it doesn't really matter, you're in the right ballpark, Um, but you can actually, you mathematically convert to a pressure that you're applying. So we go by true vertical depth, um, which is basically the depth from surface. So you might drill a 20,000 foot well, but the deepest part of the well may only be 8,000 feet. Um, and so the, you're basically trying to convert the pressure, the equivalent force of, of gravity of this column of fluid, um, applied to the formation. Um, and that equivalent mud weight, um, you know, it's, uh, it's something you can convert to pounds per square inch, whatever unit set you prefer. Um, and that helps you understand, uh, for example, if you did take an influx or there was some other kind of issue how much more pressure do I need to control that? Um, ECD. So as far as equivalent circulating density, we have to keep in mind that we're circulating this fluid constantly. So I'm actually exerting not just the for- gravitational force of this fluid. Uh, it's, there's actually the viscosity. There's an equivalent pressure that the formation feels while you're circulating um, because this fluid is, is thick as well. Um, and so in light of that, uh, you calculate what's called the equivalent circulating density, or what is the pressure I'm applying while I'm actually pumping on the fluid. And so sometimes 
this number can be really high and then you turn off the pumps and you're applying considerably less pressure, that can be an issue. Right. Um, and then on the side of, of managed pressure drilling, managed pressure drilling is a, is a, I don't know if new is the right word, but a, a, a newly emerged technology. It's, it's, uh, taken a lot of leaps forward in recent history, but managed pressure drilling is, is kind of to help aid with those swings in your equivalent circulating density. The idea being that while I'm circulating the fluid and I turn off my pumps, all of a sudden my pressure goes way down and that could result in wellbore collapse. If my well doesn't flow while I'm circulating and then I stop pumping and it starts to flow, uh, that can be a problem. Um, and so the idea with managed pressure drilling is you actually have um, a, a device, a rotary control device, that will isolate that pressure while you're making a pipe connection, doing other things, and you can apply pressure on, on the well from surface to kind of keep that pressure constant. Um, so there's a lot of um, electronics involved, a lot of automation to make sure that everything stays consistent, but it really helps level out, stabilize the pressure and in critical wells, it could be a very helpful tool. That makes sense. And that's, for me, I, that's quite uncommon unless it's you're, it's in an area where it's real sensitive and you're really having to key in on certain densities. But, um, you know, nonetheless, it's it's unique technology um, and it allows us, you know, just to, to get to the hydrocarbons that we're all looking for. So, Matt, before we sign off, is there anything else related to density that you want the listeners to know about? Um, I would say the, you know, the last thing that I, that I didn't really get into is uh, you know, well, a lot of it centers around well control and never run out of bayrite. And those really, those are really important rules. Yeah. Um, a lot of the conversations we have where we're not, where it's not a well control conversation really has to do with wellbore stability, which is a totally different topic we'll have to cover sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really significant that um, you can be drilling through a certain uh, trajectory of a well and actually need a higher mud weight um, just because of the way the rock is laid down it may be weaker in certain directions. And so that may require higher mud weight. The other thing is, as we deplete these reservoirs or inject fluids for disposal, these pressure regimes are always shifting. And so sometimes when you go look at wells nearby, which is a great way to get an idea of what mud weight you need for the well you're about to drill, if it was drilled five years ago, you may be two or three pounds per gallon off of what you really need. Um, it can throw you off seriously. Right. Uh, so it's a it's kind of a tricky beast because there's so much liability and concern with picking a mud weight. Um, but we also want to make sure the right choice is not only a a a safe selection, but also consider the performance aspects and and that sort of thing. And um, so there's a lot of conversations that surround what is the right mud weight based upon the most current information we have. Makes sense. Well, look, Matt, I certainly appreciate all the info regarding density, all the listeners out there. Hopefully we answered some questions for you. And again, if you have anything further, email us at the Flowline Podcast at AESFluids.com and please leave a review. Uh, there's a couple of reviews I want to read this week. Actually, they're starting to filter in. So this week's review comes from a student at Marietta who says, me and the guys listen to the Flowline and really like it. Hope those other episodes come out soon. Well, be on the lookout. They're coming out. Uh, we're going to try and do one weekly. There's another one here uh, we got from iTunes. Says The subject there is heck of an idea. This is such a great idea. I'm always looking for ways to gain knowledge and what a better way to do it over a podcast. Looking forward to more episodes. 
Well, Matt, it seems like we've got a little bit of traction here, so we'll uh, we'll continue to deliver on a weekly basis and be on the lookout for more episodes. Again, coming at you live, not really, but Matt Offenbacher and Justin Goche. Take care. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.